Grab your shotguns and nun puns. We're discussing the lesbian nunsploitation movie None of That tonight on the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association. Oh man, this is the this is the third time we're trying to do this movie in the first episode of our maybe new formula, and we'll we'll see what how it goes. Uh, hopefully, no one is going to fall over dead the way that things have been going. Um. <laughs> I'm Nato Kitsch, the lovely host of this sexy podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined by Sister Amelia. Hey there, everyone. My name is Sister Amelia, aka Sister Lust, and I can be found on Instagram at the Nefarious Navigator. Rawr. Next up, we have Sister Mel. Hello, this is Sister Mel, also known as Sister. She doesn't even go here. I know nothing <laughs> about Catholicism, so let's. <laughs> dig into that today you can find me on tumblr perhaps it may be dragons and last but not least is sister ro hello i'm ro better known as sister polyester blend Ooh, is that what you're wearing you're gonna go to hell <laughs> and you can find me on facebook at susqueen <laughs> tell me you grew up with the old testament without saying i grew up with the old testament <laughs> Is everyone having a good day? Oh yeah, it's been it's been, it's busy, been good. I'm good. <laughs> so tonight, so tonight's film is Richard Mar Griffin's 2009 sin up to exploitation cinema. None of that. It's kind of funny because this movie started out as a 48 hour film project, and that's how Amelia and I first met. Originally, it was going. <laughs> really? Originally was a. Yeah, yeah. Originally it was a trailer for a fake film, but it was so well received that it Pinocchioed itself into being a real movie. Um, and before we go any further, I am a huge fan of Richard Mar Griffin. He's probably my favorite working director out there, and I've seen almost all of his movies except for his version of Mid Mid of Midsummer Night's Dream, which I cannot find anywhere. <laughs> So I am going to be biased this episode, and not just because this is one of my favorite movies of all time, so let's spoil the hell out of this film. Let's do it! Woo! Spoilers! So this film is all about Sister Kelly Johnson, aka Sister Wrath, one of the nun assassins of the Order of the Black Habit. After being kicked out of the nunnery for assaulting a scumbag priest, she's assaulted by some thugs only to end up murdering them, and then she gets murdered by a group of nuns and sent to nun heaven where she meets her guardian angel who is bad at her being her guardian to be honest and her husband jesus with via amazing musical number <laughs> honestly her guardian angel is the best and most useless character in this movie he really is <laughs> yeah he has really nice nipples <laughs> he gives off like big jersey shore energy <laughs> he does that thing where <laughs> yeah, when he introduces what, himself right. where he licks his two fingers and smooths down his eyebrow <laughs> Very, very poly D energy for sure. I I didn't get over that for the rest of the movie. Every time he, every time he popped up for the rest of the movie, I was just like, I know what you do to your eyebrows, you dirty. <laughs> I also want to uh, point out that "Sister, Sister, Temptation Resistor" is one of the all-time greatest lyrics for a musical number. It is a bop. agreed, hard agree. I'm gonna download it and make it my alarm to wake up in the morning. It is on YouTube. Oh, I'm going to make it my ringtone for NATO. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's then tra- 
so up in heaven, she's then trained to become an, a nun assassin to take down the evils of the world with teachers like Mahatma Gandhi and Moses before being sent back to Earth to join the Order of the Black Habit alongside sisters Pride, Lust, and Gluttony. Uh, their main focus is to take down the Rizzo crime family headed by Mama Rizzo, who is onto the idea of the hit woman's, and hires a Jewish assassin named Viper Goldstein to, to take them out at a setup inside an illegal nun bar called Bar Nun. <laughs> One of my favorite exchanges in this entire movie is when the bouncer at Bar None goes, password. And they all just like, do we have to? And starts thinking, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> I, it made me laugh really hard. That was, that was a pretty great part. This movie also had some great one-liners. I actually had a list that I was ri- writing down as I watched this film of all the one-liners that I liked the most. The biblical humor in this movie. <laughs> the biblical yeah. humor in this movie is next level. Um, when, um, when they ask um, how Mother Superior gets their orders who she collects their orders from and the the priest turns around and he's like it's a mystery i'm like (laughs) that reminded me so much of something that my dad would actually say in real life (laughs) that i i just lost it (laughs) so (laughs) inside our four nunsassins are ambushed by viper and a mob member named richie cabrucci Richie Carbucci, which leads to Rath's love interest, Pride, being kidnapped and Gluttony getting her daily dose of vitamin lead. Um, also, I want to point out at this part, I I don't know why they were why they uh, they were dressed up as nuns, but I don't know why they went ahead and put on like eyeshadow and blush and stuff. But I really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> it's it's the dedication I mean, from the mob. Wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> If I were dressed up as a nun, I would go all out, for sure. So this is around the time Lus and Rath regrouped to confront Father O'Bannon, who sold them out at the nunnery before heading to the final confrontation with Mama Rizzo at her brothel. After sneaking in, Lus goes after Mama Rizzo, seeking revenge for Gluttony's murder, and Rath confronts Viper Goldstein, who is about to rape Pride. After getting the jump on Lus, Mama Rizzo goes uh, to kill Rath once and for all, only to be surprise attacked by both Pride and Rath, and undone with a vibrator to the spine and then undone again when her son lucky tired of being the brunt of her jokes shows up and offs her i was so proud of lucky really the only person with an actual like character arc is lucky (laughs) right (laughs) um but we aren't quite done yet as the nuns are arrested for murder pardoned by the pope played by trauma head lloyd kaufman and then father o'bannon uh, confronts Wrath one last time, which leads to her pulling the pin on his plan for revenge along with one of his grenades, killing them, which sends him to the eternal hell of nun heaven by mistake, and Sister Wrath to hell where she presumably is going to kick ass her way out of it in the sequel that will never happen. She's gonna merc the devil. <clears throat> oh my god, this film is a ride and I want to go again. <laughs> this, this film is a hot mess. With little to zero character development and all of the, all of like the gritty shit that you love about like your favorite B movies. Yeah, I mean this this film had a very grindhouse feel feel to it for me, which I loved because I like ground grindhouse films a lot. It was like a less good hobo with a shotgun or something like that. 
<laughs> right. It did give off kind of hobo with a shotgun yeah. kind of vibes. I love me some also, B movies and I love me some over the top schlock. Yeah. Also, <laughs> if I had a like a quarter for every time an Italian mobster in this movie said, You want a meatball? Eat a meatball. Have a meatball. <laughs> you want this food? Have some food. <laughs> Eat your food. Can I just say... I would be very, I would be very rich. <laughs> can I just say in regards to the Italian mobsters, I speak Italian as one of my first languages, and I could not understand what the fuck they were saying. It was like a weird mix of like Italian, but it was like Spanish trying to be Italian, but all of it was in like the worst accent I could imagine. <laughs> Thank God right. for subtitles. It was, it was a mess. <laughs> I think th- this movie pretty much is just a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, a, a wonderful, beautiful hot mess. So I feel like this movie was kind of made for me, uh, and <laughs> the the way the way that I found this movie. Um, I'd like to share with you. Um, I was living in Boston at the time. Well, Worcester, but you know, it's basically Boston. Um, and so my roommate wanted to go to Newberry Comics because they were having a sale on uh, LPs. So I went with them, kind of wandered off, ended up in their DVD section, and they had this like small little cult section, and we both met up there. And my eyes were just drawn to the word none. And I just pick it up, and I just see the cover, and I'm just like, I have to buy this. (laughs) We went right home, got drunk, watched it, loved it, and I've kept it with me ever since. I actually didn't start looking up the uh, Richard Mar Griffin's other films until I think I was about to graduate college when I went back and uh, finished college. Uh, So I kind of got into him a little bit late, but... I really just something about this movie, the the schlockiness, the grindhouse feel of it just really spoke to me. But that's just me. I want to hear what y'all thought of it. I feel the same way. I mean, I grew up Catholic, (laughs) so I was getting a kick out of like the whole plot. Uh, I mean, my roommate's not in the podcast, obviously, but my roommate grew up Catholic and is a lesbian, and she was cracking up, like, the times that she was walking through the living room that she caught, like, parts of it. Um, And as far as, like, the just, yeah, I agree with you, like, the whole grindhouse feel of it, the the cheesiness, the one-liners, all of it, I just, I liked it a lot. Yeah, uh, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I grew up Episcopalian, which is, like, Catholic adjacent, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> We're, like, Catholic, but we have better parties. Yeah, I've been to Episcopalian <laughs> so, Mass before. I, I think that's accurate. <laughs> and I also, like, on top of growing up Episcopalian, my dad is a priest, so... Um, there were there were like little moments in this movie that would just catch me off guard, like how funny this movie actually is and how deep the humor goes. <laughs> it kind of cuts different if you if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, like seems everybody here, I was re- raised religious, uh, not religious anymore, but I was raised Southern Baptist, um, which. NATO also was because most of the time we hung out was in church. Shocker there. It was the only thing to do in our small town. Uh, So 
it's fascinating to me in knowing that it is a film that had my younger self that was still a Christian stumbled upon, I probably would have been greatly offended by it. And so I got an extra kick out of it, just seeing how far I've come as a person that I can laugh at this stuff now. Um, I thought that the acting was really, really bad, but that it was fitting for what it was. Uh, I, I don't know Italian, but I know enough to know that the accents were really, really like Saturday morning cartoon bad. But it was it was a lot of fun. It's it's a turn your brain off and just enjoy the ride kind of. Movie. Yeah, this film is a send up of exploitative films uh, comfortably fitting into what we perceive as grindhouse cinema. Um Movies made to shock and disturb people like Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill, Black Gestapo, among many, many, many more others. Uh, and while a lot of sexploitation and exploitation films were originally seen as sexist and racist at the time, it should be noted that many have been reevaluated, and some by the same critics, like E. Ruby Rich, who originally said that Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill was softcore porn, and then years later admitted that she loved it and reevaluated it uh, with her uh, current opinions. Um, I think this film is subversive for the extremes it takes the offensive jokes uh, and how it likes to make over-the-top puns, but I don't think it's actually going to be as subversive as, like... It's not going to have a reevaluation like Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Yeah, I think, I think too, a lot of the offensive humor just comes with it being made in 2009. Um... I feel like that that was just kind of the era. Like, if you look at most kind of funny movies from the 2000s, like, mm, they're South pretty Park. offensive, like Standing by the Test of 2021, you know? Um, like any Judd Apatow movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but with that being said, though, I think it is important to, like, point out that there was a pretty high level of anti-Semitism in this movie. And... I wasn't sure if any of the writers or people that worked on it were Jewish because, like, you can have, like, kind of, like, satire where, like, obviously the bad guy's going to be, you know, a Jew, blah, 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 like, in Borat. Um, But that's coming from a place of, like, you know, him dealing with, like, his own experiences as a Jewish person versus somebody that's not not Jewish writing that. It just, I don't know. It just hits, it hits a bit different. Especially when you have multiple characters, like, explicitly saying, you know, stuff like, the Jews killed Christ, which is, you know, a shitty excuse to use for hating anybody anyway. And not just the fact that they did it once, but they did it once and then once again in Italian, (laughs) you know. Yeah. When they knew that, 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 um... Viper wouldn't understand, you know. I, you know, it kind of caught me off guard as as well as, you know, since it's made in two thousand nine, you also get topical Catholic jokes about you know priests and altar boys and yeah. that whole circle yeah. of abuse as well. It there's a lot to this movie, and. It's humor shouldn't be taken lightly, even though a lot of it is really good and really on point. I would like to say out of my recollection, um, I don't think any other movie in Richard Mar Griffin's filmography actually makes any Jewish jokes. 
So I think this is um, secluded to this film and this film only. Explicitly because they're talking about Catholicism. Yeah. Not that it not that it excuses it at all, but I'm just saying I I don't yeah. think that the guy is anti-Semitic. <clears throat> right. No, and I don't I don't I'm not saying that he is. It's just you know the nature of the humor, and again, I think that's just like a product product of its time because if you look at south park like in the 2000s it was really heavy on the like kyle is a jew jokes you know like from cartman and stuff like that so you know i think you can write that kind of stuff like not from an anti-semitic place but i think in 2021 like it it just hits different (laughs) yeah hindsight is 2020 foresight is not at all although this is this isn't really that deep of a movie anyway. Like, uh, almost all the characters only have one trait to them. Like, yeah. Uh, Wrath is that angry. After. <laughs> Lust is horny. Gluttony eats. Mama Rizzo is a man playing a female role a la Divine. Uh, the guardian angel is self-obsessed. Uh, uh, none of that really makes it bad. Uh, but it's just like, it's not that deep of a narrative. Right. Yeah. What, the, you're not watching this movie for plot. You're not, not at all. Not Let, at all. Les, let's be honest. You're not watching this movie for the plot. I was watching this all. movie to see a bunch let's of nuns be- with machine guns, like, kill a bunch of people, and then also for the lesbian subplot, but... <laughs> <laughs> lesbian subplot. I'm convinced that the guys who wrote this movie never met a lesbian in their life. <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of, the way the way that the the lesbians are written in this kind of perfectly fit the idea of lesbians and sexploitation cinema though. Mm-hmm. I like, agree. A, a a lot of it it's not it's not so much that they're lesbians but it's just that like it's scandalous or you know it's a way to get people in the seats by having two girls make out. I agree. Right. It felt very much like a gay man's perspective on lesbianism, though. Like, and then she like sits the, on her, like her the face. male gaze. Like, like, how do you expect a gay man, a gay man, to understand the male, the male gaze on a female body? You know, it kind of had that kind of like naive, like, I like girls. Okay, who doesn't? Like, I like like girls. Oh. Okay, well, who doesn't? <laughs> I think in a lot of ways, too, this reminded me of, uh, like, just, yeah, like, those 70s, like, specifically, like, lesbian, like, sexploitation films, where you have, like, some girl that gets trapped in a in a situation where she's, like, suddenly around a group of, like, seven lesbian vampires. OMG, like, that's so scandalous and out there. In you the know? original trailer, uh, Sister Pride was actually Sister Lust. And Father O'Bannon wasn't a bad guy in that one. Um, but uh, they're, they're work, uh, Sister Wrath is working out in the gym, and Father Bannon goes up and says, uh, and she asks, like, oh, who is that girl? It's like, oh, that's Sister Lust, but you don't want to hang out with her. She's a lesbian. Um, <laughs> which I think is a lot funnier than <laughs> the, the interactions between Pride and Wrath uh, in this film, <laughs> to be honest. Um. Pride doesn't really seem prideful from... Not at all, no. yeah. No. And the other two are, like, the Pride's other three are character. all so <laughs> fitting into those roles that 
you expect something, but at, at no moment does she really get to do anything. She might have been a better yeah. sloth, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> sister sloth. I would be sister sloth. I would yeah, absolutely be sister sure sloth. I would be sister sloth. We're all <laughs> sister, all sloth. sister sloth. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also uh, like to point out the uh, the mood lighting um, in this film. Uh, all of the films that I've seen by uh, Richard Mar Griffin have this amazing sort of like theatrical like lighting to them, like really heavy mm-hmm. on like the color fills and stuff. And uh, while this movie doesn't have a lot of them, if he worked in theater before he started directing movies, I'm not actually like I've traced back. I feel like a stalker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I trace back as like his career as much as I can, and I know that he started doing indie movies in New Mexico, like right before I started my college career in New Mexico. Um, but he does do the uh, theater productions, so that so his mood lighting most likely is from uh, theatrical productions. And like I said, he's done stuff like adaptations of um, *Midsummer Night Dream*. Uh, he's also done off-Broadway productions. *Accidental Incest*, one of his movies, was originally a play before it was. Um, and he's also working on one film that's an adaptation of another play right now. Right. You can kind of tell that he has theater roots, especially in the way that some of like some of the scenes are staged, especially mm-hmm. uh, Sister, Sister, Temptation, Resistor. You can you can definitely tell um, just by the way that it's choreographed and the way that the shots are staged. Um, also, in the bar none scenes that like everybody seems to be doing something. Um, speaking of the bar nun scene, I really like that they had the nun band behind a chain link fence. <laughs> that was a really neat aesthetic choice. I kind of dug that a lot. I don't think I even <laughs> noticed that. Yeah, I did. Never mind. <laughs> also, the amount of nun costumes in this is are is kind of ridiculous. Oh man, mm-hmm. you gotta wonder if they hired like a few actual nuns to be in this movie because some of the actresses looked like they were comfortable or like they they belonged or regularly wore habits, you know. <laughs> I was a big fan of the nun costumes. I really liked the uh black what was the name of their organization? Like the black The Order black of habit. the Black Habit. The Order of the Black Habit. Yeah, I loved their costumes. With like the I got the a bad the habit. Black habits and like the fucking studded belts. I also like the twink. The twink was cute. Yeah. Who the, the the priest boy? Yeah. I just called yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> what was he? Father Peter? Father Tommy? <laughs> Father Thomas? I'm so, Father Thomas. Some, I'm so bad like with that. names. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> I just called him Father Baby Face. Father, Father Baby, Baby Face. Face. Yes. I am kind of disappointed that at the resolution of the movie, we didn't get that Father Thomas sister lust scene that like that the, the movie was obviously heading towards but didn't include i agree i could have could have used some some uh some dick father tom some more father thomas in this movie 
He's always popping up when things were about to get sexy. <laughs> Just polishing my knob. I feel I mean, like I, I mean, feel like that was a huge I feel like that was a huge missed opportunity when she was like when Sister Pride and Sister Wrath were having their moment and Sister Lust was like, God, please send me some cock, like brown cock, white cock, I don't care. Why couldn't a Father Thomas like, I don't know, he knocked on the door. He needed something, you know? Yeah. I don't that know. Was a missed that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. I there there was a resolution to that story that could have been included but wasn't. Let's Maybe get a they sequel. Filmed one, but it got cut. Who knows? Let's get a sequel and it's following I would Sister love a Lust sequel to this and, movie, sis- and Father Thomas. <laughs> honestly, I would love a sequel to this movie. We we'll call it Some of That Men Part 2. <laughs> We ca- we kind of got a spiritual sequel because he made a movie called The Disco Exorcist, which has a similar feel to it. Um, oh, The Disco Exorcist. That 1,000% sounds like something that I want to watch. Unfortunately, it's not a gay film. Aww. <laughs> so you won't hear us talk about it on this podcast. But but you might hear us talk about his other films like Stratford Danger 1 and 2 or Codename Dynastud. We're probably going Code to watch those Dynastud. films. I that sounds amazing. Yeah. I think you were telling me about Codename Dynastud. Okay, based on the name alone, I want to watch this movie. Yeah, me too. I'm excited yeah, for when we watch it. Me about this movie. Yeah, his later movies got really gay, and I really love them. <laughs> <laughs> I even have a I have an autograph strap for Danger DVD and I'm really proud of that. Um That is amazing. <laughs> um for the audience's edification, um NATO obsessively collects movies. <laughs> yeah. This is the entire reason uh, we have this podcast. Uh, obsessively we wouldn't have a podcast if nato didn't obsessively collect movies (laughs) not only that i buy random like movies with random titles and just try them out that's how i fell in love with velociraptor um that's how i'm probably gonna fall in love with buffering whenever it gets in here that's how i fell in love with catalogs list of just lgbt Q plus films and let me tell you it takes up several pages <laughs> i haven't even updated that lately because now it's oh, like man i had like 30 movies to my library i have more gay movies now than i do horror movies wow how so i'm that guy now <laughs> uh. i do want to say that the sister lust character to me, like, so going back to, to the fact that, you know, this was kind of very um, much like one of those sexploitation films and stuff like that of the 70s. One of the things I wrote in my notes is that the Sister Lust character reminded me of, like, specifically, like, the way that brown and black women are perceived in those sexploitation films. Just, like, overly sexual and, like you know, super sexy, like that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um, and it stood out to me. Right. It's the same kind of way that they kind of leaned into Mama Rizzo as the, like the big bad man in a dress character. Like you could tell that 
like they were really going for this kind of like aesthetic, you know, these types of characters. My balls. My balls. <laughs> My balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of weird to think because we haven't really seen a movie on this podcast with a with a male actor playing a female character and basically the entire joke is that you can tell that it's a male actor playing a female character and saying these lines like my balls um as like a a wink to the audience right and it's not to say that they were disrespectful about it at all yeah not at all rizzo as a character is kind of amazing i I don't see it as any different i don't see it as any different as uh divine playing um what the hell is the name of the mom in hairspray (laughs) edna edna yeah it's literally like that's what that reminded me of specifically was divine playing edna yeah um i love she has this speech when you're kind of getting to know her as a character, she does this speech about how she used to want to be a nun, but oh they yeah, like accept her into the convent, and so she sold her soul to Satan for like power and money and beauty. And when she says beauty, it cuts to everyone else like <laughs> looking around, like what the hell is she talking about? Um, so you you know that they're kind of like obviously playing up the man in the dress angle um but there was intention behind it i don't think that they you know were doing it out of disrespect or anything also just while we're on casting like i also do like that jesus and satan were played by the same character or the same yeah that was great that was Mm -hmm. great Agreed. They found, like, the sleaziest, like, bar-hopping kind of white man to play Jesus, and I think that was a great call. (laughs) Jesus was absolutely, like, sleazy, but I I don't know. He was great. (laughs) He has so many wives. Um, I like like how after his, like... I like how after his uh, sister, sister, temptation, resistor song, like the first thing we really see him in after that is where he's like telling some off collar joke about like hookers or something. (laughs) Right. And he's like, no, don't call me Lord. Call me husband. Because technically I'm married to all nuns. (laughs) (laughs) And then I for mean, the rest of the show, she's just like, okay, husband. And then she, she like, makes out with him. Uh. Right. I don't know if I necessarily agree with Gandhi being a character in this movie. And I definitely don't know if I agree with the way that he was played. But I, you know. I, I had questions. In and the original felt- trailer, they had uh, Buddha. Why did I say it like that? They had Buddha. And it was a very worse representation like just as far as accuracy um but also i think we missed out on something from the trailer the the bad guy in the original trailer was the easter bunny who was giving drugs to kids that was amazing <laughs> now that would have been a fun plot that would have been amazing that. 
You mean I Can could have been having movie? drugs this whole time? Can we please make this movie? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I don't At think it was a point, very good representation of Gandhi. Uh, at what point in the script editing phase did the Easter Bunny get cut out? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Probably after they cast Mama Rizzo. <laughs> I would love to see the Easter Bunny, but like played by the Mama Rizzo. Just like it's this fucking Easter Bunny hopping around with drugs and being like, my balls. I wanted to be a nun, but they don't allow bunnies to be nuns. There, perfect. You know? So I, so I sold my soul to the devil, and now I have, and now I give the kids drugs. These nuns make me hop and mad. <laughs> Think of all the one-liners. Now I pass Think the of kids all the out my salty chocolate balls. <laughs> I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. You have all these nun puns and nobody with nunchucks. This is a missed opportunity. I agree. I agree 1,000%. There needed to be a nunchuck pun. I will say the nun puns that they did have in this movie were on point. Bar none. And and there were so many of them. Yeah. still miss nunchucks. Maybe they just couldn't fit it in. They They are... A bunch of fighting nuns trying to kill people. You can't fit in nunchucks. You're not trying. They literally had Sister Wrath train, like, Gandhi's trained Sister Wrath with some, like, weird ninja dude, and they didn't include nunchucks. Richard Mark Griffin, if you're listening to this, please let us know why there weren't any nunchucks. And also... I ordered some films from you a while back, and they still haven't got here, and that was, like, five years ago, so could you, like... (laughs) <laughs> just, just expedite those yeah, yeah. I, or just you know just grab them and send me Men the Summer's Night Dream that would be really cool <laughs> yeah I feel like I want to find lie, this it, film for you not gonna lie as soon as, we, have... uh, as soon as we finish recording I'm gonna watch the trailer I have it yeah me too I'm just like ready to ready to go I, I might think have the only to thing also. from the trailer that made it into the film, like footage-wise, was Moses. Um, I think that's the only thing. Oh, that was a great scene. <laughs> Thou shalt not fuck with nuns. Yeah, there are some commandments that are not written in stone. <laughs> <laughs> Thou shalt not fuck with nuns. <laughs> So I, I, I think we've said our piece, um, and it's time to find out if everyone loved this movie or hated it. So, Amelia, will you be joining a nunnery, or have you lost your faith? I did actually, at one point in my childhood, want to be a nun when I was obsessed with The Sound of Music. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> true story, true story. Um, but yes, I would recommend this movie, as long as you're... If you get offended easily, that sounds like a fucking Republican trying to be like, eh, snowflakes. But, like, it, it, if you're more sensitive to offensive content, I would not recommend it for you. But if you don't have a problem with that, then definitely do watch it. Because as far as, like, a fucking B-grindhouse movie goes, this is this was great. It was super entertaining. I had a great time watching it. I'll definitely watch it again probably show it to some people 
Mel, was this movie one hell of a good time or just plain hell? I'd say one hell of a good time. I'm I'm going to go join the convent. I I enjoyed it. Yes, there were some things that haven't aged well, but it, you know, if you're able to sit there and keep that in mind, you can just have fun. And Ro, was this movie holier than thou or were you just having none of that? <laughs> you know, this it's not necessarily good, but it's definitely not bad. And if you have a, if you have a thick skin and you love that B movie aesthetic, go ahead and give it a watch. <laughs> oh man. Well, I do have some bad news for everyone. Um if you were looking to watch this movie, you might have a hard time finding it. Uh, at the time of this recording, I could only find one DVD on eBay, and it doesn't look like it's streaming or for rent anymore. Um, R- Richard Mar Griffin used to have this on his uh, used to have his Scorpio releasing store going, but uh, that's been down for over a year. And uh, again, uh, I never got my DVDs. So if you want to just give me uh, Midsummer Night Dream, we'll call it even. Um, Mark Griffin's films are kind of hard to find in general. I ended up paying about $300 for one of his films, Atomic Brain Invasion. Uh, and, and his uh, latest films were only released on DVD through crowdfunding. Uh, but the good news is that after years of obscurity, Atomic Brain Invasion and some of his other films have turned up on his uh, have turned up officially on his Vimeo for rent through his Scorpio releasing page. And he's still making films. So... You know, it could show up in the future. If Alaska- you have the gumption to try and search it out, give it a watch. <laughs> yeah. If you can find it, if this sounds like your film and you get a hold of it, I think you'll like it. Um, like, like everyone said, there's some jokes that have not aged well and were not appropriate at the time or now. But it's still, like, overall, like, a f- kind of fun ride. And, like I said, this isn't the last time we'll be viewing his films. We still have Strap for Danger 1 and 2, which are his gay heist films. We have Codename Dynastud. There's a sequel to Codename Dynastud in the works. So, <laughs> we're going to watch him <laughs> eventually. Do they do that terrible gay indie movie thing where they don't cast any of the original actors as their characters? Well, uh, canonically, <laughs> Stafford Danger 1 and 2 don't have anything to do with each other, so technically you're right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, but if you do find a copy of none of that, I think it was a movie. I, I think this movie is a gem, and, and perfect if you're looking for a cult lesbian exploitation film that knows exactly what it is. <laughs> Again, that's if you can find it. Um, anyway, that's what we think. But if you've seen this movie or are watching it later, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it and your experience with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at GayEcapod. That's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for suggestions. We can't wait to experience more movies with you. I'm Nito Kitch reminding you that a little dash of anarchy is a secret ingredient for the perfect bride pecan pie. Later. Bye. Bye.